Thank you for coming to the podcast. It's Top Turtle Podcast, and we have a tremendous show for you today. We have former UFC welterweight champion Johnny Hendricks, plus newly signed Bellator welterweight Lorenz Larkin. But first, I want to tell you, promotional consideration is paid for by the following. If you do a high-impact sporter activity, you need to get to know Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu makes the best mouthguard ever invented. You can talk, you can breathe, you can drink. All with the mouth guard in your mouth. It's a feat of science. It's a feat of ingenuity. It's a feat of mouth protection. Head on over to SISUGuard.com. Look, if you do something crazy like, I don't know, say MMA, submission grappling, boxing, and you don't care about your smile or your chompers, don't go to Sisu's website. But if you care about your appearance, if you care about protecting your face, Head on over to SISUGuard.com. You're going to like the way we mouth guard. I guarantee it. We are rolling. I am David Tremonti, joined by my co-host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. They call him Gumby because he's very flexible. And we, our Top Turtle podcast, featured for the very first time on Flow Combat. I am so proud of this fact, Gumby, that we have the opportunity to link up with Flow. And you, of course, can catch us there, but also TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, really wherever a podcast is being streamed. Search for us. Give us a download. Give us a subscribe. We gosh darn appreciate it. And if you're new to the podcast, let me give you the quick summation of the positive fan feedback we've gotten. It's that we like to stick on topic. We're not here to waste your time to talk about our day or our hair or just LOL about nothing in particular. We're just a couple of fight fans talking fights like a couple of dudes at an old school barber shop. So Gumby, with that said, let's get right into it and let's talk about UFC Nashville Artem Lobov, what? Artem Lobov? Yeah, Artem Lobov headlined against Cub Swanson and soundly lost in a unanimous decision. He he soundly lost, but he he gained a lot of respect in my opinion. I mean, he lasted five rounds with who we can now assume possibly the number one contender to the winner of Aldo and Holloway? Would you would you pick anybody else? Uh, I mean, what about Frankie Edgar somewhere uh, in the I mean, mix yeah, there? I mean, and Frankie watch- Edgar beat. Cub, but that was two years ago. Yeah, two years ago, and he didn't. He just recently lose to Aldo, so we're not ready to watch him fight well, Aldo actually, for a third time. I think so. They booked Edgar versus Yair Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that would be the decided number one contender, the winner of that. But Cubs in the mix. Cub, Cub, so Cubs, if not the number one contender, the number two behind whoever wins that fight. And in Artem lasted. Five rounds with him, and not only lasted five rounds with him, but also took a round off of him in those five, according to two judges. So, despite the fact we gave him a lot of shit for getting that fight in the first place, right? We shit all over him for a couple of weeks nonstop. He he held his own in that fight, right? Eh, yeah, sure. He held his own. I mean, Cub couldn't finish him, and in Artem now two and three in the I UFC. I think he was any, in any real danger at any point of being finished either. Well, I think in the third round, when I think it was the third round, the end, Cub took his back. But you know what? Actually, he defended it and got back up. You're right. I mean, he's, I, he's had Ryan Hall on his back and didn't get finished, so <laughs> I, I'm not worried about Cub Swanson choking him out. Well, I was just going to say, to your point, you know, five... UFC fights now. He's two and three. All have gone to the judges' scorecard. So while he might not be the finishing maestro that his teammate Conor McGregor is, he certainly is tough to put away, I guess you could say. Yeah, and, and, and all of the five fights that he's had, with the exception of maybe the Ryan Hall fight, or Ryan, Ryan Hall fight, rather, have been fairly entertaining, right? Like the Taruta Ishihara fight, it was pretty entertaining. They they both threw hands for a while. This one with Cub Swanson was fairly entertaining. I, I wouldn't say he was a boring fighter, but I, I'm not ready to put him anywhere near the top 10, right? Oh, I'm not ready to put him back in a main event. I no. mean, we had him on our podcast, and he said that the way he got this fight was he texted, might have been Silva at the time, or if not, a new matchmaker. he said Joe Silva. Yeah, it might have been yeah, yeah. Silva at the time, but maybe Sean Shelby, uh, that he would stand and bang with Cub after watching the do who Choi war and uh you know was it a war though i wouldn't call it the most entertaining fight it, it wasn't a, it wasn't something that i'm gonna write home for or hope that like it makes the fight of the year candidates but it, it was good enough well let me ask you this a one fight of the night did it deserve fight of the night uh, no is the answer 
I'm not sure there's anything else out there. What about Stevie Ray versus Lozon? Stevie Ray Lozon was pretty good. I mean, like there, it wasn't a super entertaining night of fights. All right, well let's let's go from here. What do you do with Cub Swanson, being that Edgar and Yair are booked? I I think that if I, I think he could get a title shot based on where he is. I mean, if like I said, if Frankie beats Yair, which I totally expect him to do. Uh, just based on wrestling alone, if if that happens, would you book Frankie versus you know Aldo three? No, I, I wouldn't do that. Well, okay, so, so, so good. Cub is more entertaining. So than me. good point. I think it actually kind of goes down to uh, who wins between Holloway and Aldo. Because so you think if Holloway wins, then you might just book Frankie? Yes, because it's a new, intriguing, exciting matchup. Now, that being said, doesn't Aldo have a win over Cub? He does, but it was but, an eight-second WEC win. Uh, Cub got caught with a flying knee eight seconds in. Sure. Pretty much it wasn't a fight. It, it, he got caught. Um, The Polish Hammer, whatever his nickname is. What do you do with <laughs> Artem Russian Lobo? Hammer. The Russian Hammer. <laughs> what do you do? He probably pissed that you called him the Polish Hammer. Uh with the Russian Hammer, I, I think you you got to give him back to the the level he was already at. I mean, he was fighting unranked guys, fighters. He was fighting guys like Taruta Ishihara before this, and I like Taruta Ishihara, but that's the kind of guy he should be fighting. Some guy who he can stand with and bang with and probably win a decision. I think I was thinking of the Polish Hammer Ivan Putski of WWE. Wasn't the fame. Polish Hammer also Seth Bazinski? Uh, no, that's the Polish Pistola. I take that back. <laughs> uh, in the, I guess you could call a co-main event, Al Iaquinta came back after a long layoff and knocked out Diego Sanchez. Looked pretty good doing it in a minute and 38 seconds. Uh, what do you make of Regent Al's performance? Uh, I mean, that, that was... All that I was hoping he still was after that amount of time off, but didn't believe he actually would be. Man, I mean, like, you got to remember that Diego Sanchez is a guy who's only ever really been knocked out by Joe Lozon. Correct. Uh, And that was at UFC 200. So for somebody to put him away as fast as Ally Aquinta did is just damn impressive. And he tagged him like two or three times with those right hands before eventually putting him away, uh, Diego kept biting down on the mouthpiece and going back in there. So it's so impressive to me that the ally Aquinta was able to like keep his head, do the technical thing, and finish him in so fast, too. Yeah, it's been a good uh, month here for Sarah Longo with Al Jermaine getting back on the winning track last month, or sorry, last week, and now Al Aikinta. Of course, Weidman had a bit of a unique experience up there in Buffalo with the Musasi controversy. Who hasn't had a unique experience in New York? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the story here is uh, after the fight, Al Aikinta tweets to uh, the UFC, hey, UFC, go fuck yourself, <laughs> and um, also fuck you after it was announced that was the whole tweet fuck you after it was announced that uh he didn't win any of the performance bonuses yeah and i I think he should have just based on the fact that he finished a guy who's like unfinishable uh but again to me it's so funny and it shouldn't be funny but it's so funny to me how angry he gets with the ufc and how fast he gets angry with them. so two things here one uh you know it would have been a performance bonus it wouldn't have been fight of the night and the two performance bonuses went to platinum mike perry which we'll talk about in a second and that's a no doubt about it performance bonus because that's a highlight reel that'll be you know in video packages till the end of time uh and the other one was brandon moreno beating dustin ortiz I think he has a right to feel like he probably deserved the performance bonus over Brandon Moreno. I mean, I think so. I I agree with you. If it was up to me and I was was coming up with the performance bonuses myself, you're right. I would have given it to Ayakinta. But you also have to remember that Dustin Ortiz is a guy who's seen as primarily a grappler. Got completely outclassed by a guy who's younger than him on the ground and is now 3-0 and in the UFC in a division that does not have contenders. Mm. The UFC has got to be drooling about how much Moreno can bring to them as far as marketing goes and as far as a new challenger goes. I, I think he's maybe one fight away from a title shot. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, that's more an indictment on the division than I, anything else. I mean, else. it is an indictment, but he's also 3-0 and with finishes over now Dustin Ortiz and also Luis Smolka by submission. 
Well, you're bringing up good points, and maybe that's why the UFC gave him that bonus, get the name out there more, but I got to tell you, historically, they typically give the bonuses to people on the main card. Uh, Ayakinto was second from the top here, and it was over a legend like Diego Sanchez, who, to your point, has only been knocked out one time before. Absolutely. Um, I do think his chin is gone now, but still impressive nonetheless. Now, here's the other thing I wanted to say, two parts to this. Uh, I think... Sometimes you have a guy who, um, you know, rages against the machine in that Tito Ortiz vein. If you want to take it to a professional wrestling level, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. And of course, we've seen the Diaz bros do this, um, you know, very well over the past few years. Uh, and sometimes it feels a little manufactured. I got to tell you, I think Ally Aquinta is 100% real here. It, it I, doesn't feel even a little manufactured. No, does this it? does yeah. not feel manufactured. Well, and it didn't last time too when he told the whole stands to go fuck themselves for booing him right what you fucking boo me (laughs) i mean hey his nickname's region so he lives up to it anyway what do you do with ally akinta next if you can get him back into the octagon um if you can get him back into the octagon i really like him versus the winner of mike chiesa versus kevin lee um they're main eventing a car uh I think it's a fight night card in a couple of months. I want to say the end of May. I'd have to look it up, put the intern on it. Um, but the winner of that seems like a logical play for him. Uh, Kevin Lee, I think, is ranked 11. Chiesa is probably like 8 or 9. So it just makes sense for Ayakita to fight whoever wins that one. Okay, that's a good one. Not going to argue with that. Uh, we'll move on now, a little lightning fast fashion. You had a catch weight. Uh, Ovin St. Preux beat Marcos Rogerio de Lima with a Von Flew choke. Number two of his career. He has more Von Flew chokes than, than Jason Von Flew himself. <laughs> now, that being said, did you think, and I have to admit, I uh, this one I was not watching live. I was walking my dog. Uh, did you think it really was a Von Flew choke? It was a funky angle. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a funky angle. Again, it's one of those things where, like, I mean, did you call Brian Barberina's uh, head and arm choke when he got that on, on Sage Northcutt? I called that a weird head and arm choke. Did you call that a Von Flew choke? Yeah, I, I, no, but I would call this one a weird Von Flew choke if you called that one a okay. weird head and arm I choke. I see where I you're mean, like, with that, yeah. It's the same. It, it's like a weird angle. But in the end, I mean, like, if, if you need a name for it, that's what it is, right? Sure. Uh, so Ovin St. Preux gets back on the winning track. Um, do you have any thoughts for what you'd like to see him do next? I mean, he's just got to keep getting on the winning one track. One and three in his last I mean, four fights. One and three and, like, looked real bad in some of those. Like, the Vulcan Ozdemir fight, not impressive even a little bit, right? Like, he got outworked by a guy whose cardio was not top-notch in that day anyway. So... Yeah, I, th- I think he's got to fight somebody still in the Marcos Rogerio de Lima mm-hmm. you know, sphere, so sure. to speak. Uh, John Dodson continued his winning ways at bantamweight, defeated Eddie, Eddie Wineland by unanimous decision. What do you think for Dodson's next step? I think he's not that far from a title shot. Is that crazy to say at 35? I mean, like, I think he should fight Cruz next. Uh, well, I like that matchup for sure, um, but I don't know. I mean, like, he, what else does he have to prove? Like, who else well, could you have you, a fight down there? Do you feel like he won the Lineker fight, which he lost by split decision? Um, he's two and one at bantamweight. So, yeah, I, it, with with a like thirty five second KO of of Manny Gamburian, and then that Lineker loss. I mean, I, I thought he won the fight with Lineker, and I could be wrong. But I think he he's shown in those fights that he's won that he's dangerous to anybody in the division, right? It yes. is exciting as fuck. Holds a win over TJ Dillashaw. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that being said, I want to step back a tick. The intern looked it up, and Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Lee will be taking place in Oklahoma City on June 25th, and that is a fight night that they will be headlining. So, and and that'll give Iaquinta time to recover. Uh, you had Stevie Ray defeating Joe Lozon by majority decision. Your thoughts? Uh, I thought the fight was a draw, first of all, uh, with with uh, the 10-8 going to Lozon in the first and the last two rounds going to Ray. But uh, it was an exciting fight. Like you said, it might have been the fight of the night if you didn't give it a lobe off Swanson. Um, kind of disappointing to see Lozon, who seemed to be gaining momentum, lose it right there on, like I said, what I thought was a draw. Well, let me ask you this. Who would you say of the 155 veteran class, uh, who do you think has the best future, so to speak? And it's probably not a long future between Lozon, Diego Sanchez, and Jim Miller. Oof. Uh, I would say Joe Lozon. Really? Yeah, I think I'd I mean, say Jim Miller. Uh, it's definitely not Diego Sanchez. De- yeah, Diego's out. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you're going to play F. Mary kill out of those right? three, yeah, you kill Diego Sanchez right off. It's funny that you even put him in that that speech. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean he's I, yeah, he's the veteran of the class at this point. Right, right, right. Along with Lozon and Miller, but yeah, I, I mean, I just think Lozon in the way that he's developed his striking to go along with his grappling. Like, has him better. and Jim Miller both have outstanding grappling, right? Mm-hmm. But in the the progress we've seen from the Joe Lozon striking in the last two to three fights has been so much better that I really do think that even though he's late in his career, I think there's something to him still. I hear you. All right. And then kicking off the main card uh, was Mike Perry with one of the most vicious elbow KOs we've ever seen over Jake Ellenberger in the second round. What did you think? Uh, it was just... I'm going to go off... First of all, I'm saying I'm not a Mike Perry fan. You know, the, the, all the crap that's gone on on weigh-ins, all the shit you've heard about him on social media. I'm not a Mike Perry fan. I stood up off my couch and yelled at the TV during that knockout because it was that crazy. So he's now um, he's now 3-1 and one in the UFC. All three wins coming by KO or TKO. It's Ob- vicious TKOs or uh, KOs. Obvious power in his hands. Of his 10 professional wins... Tenor by knockout. Yeah. So I'm going to do the UFC marketing uh, department a little favor here. Go ahead and put some fucking marketing dollars behind Mike Perry. He might be a fucking lunatic outside the octagon, and obviously that's something to watch out for. But I, this is a guy I think they could start featuring a little more, and I'm sure they're salivating at just because the highlight reel KOs at this point. They're outstanding. <laughs> I, I mean, like, there, there's nothing else to be said about that KO of Jake Elmer. So what do you do as a next step for him? Oh, I mean, whew, there's a lot of good fights out there. I, I still think he needs somebody who is a little bit more well-rounded than Jake Allenberger at this point, because Jake Allenberger feels a little bit like he's on the way out, right? Yes. Like, like you don't you don't feel like Jake Allenberger's on the up-and-up. How about the winner of Dong Young Kim versus Colby Covington out in Singapore? Colby Covington has been on an absolute tear. Uh, and then I'd like to... Colby Covington has good wrestling. And he's got great wrestling, so it would force him yes. into a different yes, yes, yes. realm. And even if... Colby Covington loses to Dong Hyun Kim. Dong Hyun Kim is amazing judo, and he's shown to have some crazy highlight reel knockouts, right? He's got the spinning back elbow knockout there. So, like, it would give him a, a new dimension that he has to prove himself in. Great one. Uh, now, going over the prelims, give me real quick, Gumby. Who was a performer uh, someone should seek out and try to rewatch? Or what was a fight that uh, people should try to rewatch? Well, I think you, if you're rewatching this card, one of the things you have to rewatch is, is Brandon Moreno. Yes. Technical submission over Dustin Ortiz with a rear naked choke. Put him out cold. And Dustin Ortiz is an amazing grappler. So to see a guy like him have to go out cold... Against a, a very young prospect in Brandon Moreno, the dude's only 23 years old. He's got a huge future ahead of him. Uh, you, you know, you could also say something about Barbarena. Uh, Brandon Bam Bam Barbarena threw some knees and some punches. TKO Joe Proctor welcomed him up to 170 with some vicious KOs. Uh, and, and that's really, really exciting. Uh, Apart from that, what'd you make of Cindy Dandwa's uh, UFC God, debut? That, I, I mean, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure if you go back and listen to the last episode, I highly touted her um, because I've been saying for a while she's a good prospect. She beat Megan Anderson at 145 by submission. Megan Anderson is like the only 145 woman out there we're still talking about. Cindy Dandwa's got a win over her. Her striking looked miserable. Yes, it did. I mean, like, I, I'm not a striking expert. Uh, you know, I I grapple. I'm a purple belt in jujitsu. I know that that striking was bad. Uh, so one thing I do want to mention, just wrapping this all up, was you brought up a uh, friend of the show, Bam Bam Barbarena, getting the win over Joe Proctor, and Bam Bam now very quietly in the UFC is. I'm um, looking at his record here. He's four and two. Some people would even say the Chad Laprese uh, loss, which was by unanimous was decision, close. was close. It was a fight of the night. Really, Colby Covington gave him a fit, and that was the clearest loss of his and, career. And Colby Covington is a goddamn animal. It gives everyone fits. Uh, but yeah, Bam Bam very quietly, um, you know, just kind of racking up wins there. And yeah, and it's a really tough division to climb into being 170 pounds. I mean, there are a lot. Stacked. Of, there's, a yeah. mil- there's like 90 guys on the roster. There's a lot of guys on the roster. There's a lot of good dudes on the roster. But yeah, I mean, I think, and he said it in his interview with us, he was working on the striking. He thought the striking was going to get it done with Proctor. And he's right. I mean, he's getting better and better there. 
All right, we will transition now to our interview with former UFC welterweight champion Johnny Hendricks. And before I play that for you, I would like to mention that promotional consideration is paid for by the following. Are you sick and tired of fight gear that rips and tears apart easily? Well, let me introduce you to Datsusara Hemp Gear. Datsusara is the only company that makes fight gear out of hemp. And hemp, I am here to tell you, is a billion, million, trillion, infinity times stronger than cotton. It's also so super durable and antimicrobial. And if you've ever been in, M- in an MMA gym, you know being antimicrobial is not a bad thing. Head on over to dsgear.com. Check out their fight gear. I highly recommend their fight shorts. I roll in them all the time. I love them. It's my favorite pair of fight shorts. But if you're a gi guy or a gi gal, you might want to check out their hemp Geese. That's Datsusara Hemp Gear at dsgear.com. Enter in promo code Top Turtle, all one word, not case sensitive. Get yourself a nice little discount. Datsusara Hemp Gear brings you our interview with Johnny Hendricks. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonti, and we have the pleasure of talking with Johnny Hendricks, the former welterweight champion of the UFC, and he fights Tim Bosch at middleweight at Ultimate Fight Night, Oklahoma City on June 25th. Uh, Johnny, we talked to you just before your fight with Neil Magny. Uh, you were adamant about staying with 170 pounds. Obviously, there were some weight issues here. We're six months later. You look like a completely new man at 185. Obviously, missing weight helped you make that decision. But what else kind of guided you to 185? Uh, pretty much the fact that it wasn't missing weight. Is that that was the second time my body shut down? Mm. Uh, like uh, the fight before that, uh, my kidney shut down for about three days, and then this last time. It shut down for about six, okay, and I was just over it. You know what I mean? If I'm gonna, and that's why I, that's why I was always talking about retirement because I didn't want to. I didn't know about you know what I could do if I could move up to 85, how everything would, you know, how it would happen, right? Right. Um, and sort of after that fight, I just I just after I I missed weight, I literally just went to Joe Silver and I said, I'm not killing myself anymore for 70, you know. And he was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and, uh, and not only that, but I, you know, I, I, I can't fight. You know, I've been watching my last couple of fights. And, you know, first round, you have some energy. Second round, you're dying. Third round, you're just hoping to make it, you know? Mm. Um, and that's really the deciding factors. I was just done. I was done. Uh, fighting at maybe 50% if that, you know, on energy level. Um, and also the brain activity that I was, I didn't have in the octagon, you know, seeing punches, moving away from punches, creating, um, combinations just on the fly. You know, I haven't been able to do that in a long time. And I was worried about even my last fight. Could I still do it? Um, and I was able to, I was able to think on my, on my feet, and be able to to adapt. Mm. So that fight with Hector Lombard, you know, that went to a decision. It was a unanimous decision for you. You look great in the fight. So you're saying you felt better in that third round than you have here in in probably a couple of years? Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, even you. I mean, the fans should be able to see that. <laughs> you know, I was actually still on my feet. I was, I, you know, uh, I was moving. Uh, I was uh, I was still able to do stuff. Where in the third round, I'm more of the lines just trying to trying to survive. Yeah, you know that's really what I'm looking at. Yeah, and we absolutely could see it too. And, and so going into that fight with Hector Lombard, like you said, you you weren't even sure that your brain would turn back on in, in the way that you knew it could in the past. Did the energy level surprise you too, or did leading up to the fight, did you know that you were going to be a different person at 85? No, I didn't. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, that whole fight camp was more of the lines, hey, I wanted to have fun. I want to see if I still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's sort of the way I, I'm, I'm going through every fight. I just want to do it to have fun. Um, and <clears throat> whenever I was out there, I was worried about that. I, I mean, I went hard the first round. I went hard the second round. You know, I didn't go super hard because, like I said, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, I was probably given 80% of my effort to do what I wanted to do. Um, it's just that 
in times I could bump it up to 100 because I, I knew that I had energy. Then the third round came, uh, and then I was like, man, I could have done more. Hmm. Man, what if I'd have done more the first round, the second round? And, and I was, I think I still would have had energy in the third round, and that's really where my head was at at that point was, all right, now let's actually train for this next one. Let's go out there. Let's beat up on Tim and <laughs> and, and move forward. Uh, you know, and that's really where my head's at is it, finally – you know, I'm finally watching fights again. Fighting has actually became interesting for me instead of sitting here saying, all right, I have, I have a, you know, I got 10 weeks left in my fight, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm worried about weight right now. Where at 85, you know, I'm at, <clears throat> I think I'm 212 <clears throat> and eating and drinking everything I want. All I'm doing different is lifting weights. I'm actually going to get stronger for this weight class. Um, and that's really all I've been focusing on and my striking. Don't get me wrong. I've still been striking and doing everything else, but if it, I'm, I'm watching what Tim Boach does. I'm watching how he fights. Okay. What tendencies does he like to have and, and, and working on, working on fundamentals to make me a better fighter than sit here and say, okay, tonight I got to put on plastics. I got to put on sweats and we're going to get three rounds. All right. What are we going to do tomorrow? Same thing. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to run, and, and it, it all revolves around getting my weight down. Yeah, and and that's no no way to live, like you mentioned. So let, let's talk a little bit about Tim Bosch too, because you you mentioned him there. And at this point, what you are is you're super focused on beating up Tim Bosch. Um, you know, at middleweight, you obviously have a lot more energy, but. Tim Bosch is going to be the, a, a similar problem that a lot of the guys are going to give you in this division in that he's three inches taller than you. He's got five or six inches of reach on you. Uh, without giving away too much, uh, how do you go about handling a guy who's so much physically bigger than you frame-wise? Well, you know what? Frame-wise, I'm probably as thick as upper body. I'm probably as thick as that guy, right? Yeah, he yeah. does have three inches, but guess what? You know, I'm not comparing myself to this guy by all means, but who was one of the best fighters you know that was shorter than everybody he fought and out and everybody out waiting? Uh, BJ Penn, Frankie Edgar, Frankie Edgar Mighty Mouse Johnson, or, uh, Frankie Edgar, or we could even go. We can let's go to boxing. Somebody that has power. Pacquiao. He's one of my favorite fighters. Uh, no, I mean, you, no. Uh, let's go, Tyson. Tyson. Oh, Tyson. Right? I'm not okay. saying That's I, I get like okay. Tyson, right? Sure, right. But 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 you see what I'm saying? Like a short, stocky guy. You know, I got I now I get to work on accuracy. That's I think that's all that I'm missing. I I hurt Hector with no accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> I just hurt him with power, right? Now, let's say if I was accurate with my punches, like I used to be, I think I dropped him. I think I finished him. Mm-hmm. Now that's really what I'm working on now is, is, is every time I, instead of just hitting a pass, I'm looking and seeing where I'm hitting, what I'm hitting. Right. And that's where, that's really where I, I think I'm getting back to where I used to be. Those are things I used to do. Yeah. And, and you know, I just didn't hit for five minutes. And, and I think a lot of people forget that too. This, you're a guy who, who has, you know, a single digit second knockout of John Fitch. Um, you know, you, you knocked out, uh, Martin Campman really, really fast. Uh, so, so in prepping for all of this, you know, who are you bringing in? I, I know you're more of a nomad now working a little bit at, uh, at the college you went to and, and you're working in other places too. Who are you bringing in to get you ready for, for somebody like Tim Bosch? Uh, we're, we're looking at maybe bringing in a couple of guys. Uh, you know, we got, you know, that's the thing is that now we're not worried about my weight. We can actually bring in people, right? Uh, we can bring in people that I can train with and I know I'm going to get good rounds with. So we got a couple of guys that are big, strong like him, right? Um, and <clears throat> that's really what I'm, I, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but sure. <clears throat> those are guys we're going to be bringing in. Not only that, but I have a, a couple of heavyweights. Okay, that are very good wrestlers. And those are guys that I'm going to be dealing with as well. Um, and the reason why I want that is because if you're watching, there's two things he's going to do. One, he's going to push forward because I have a feeling that he's going to be like, why you're in my weight class now. I'm bigger, I'm stronger, and I'm going to, I'm going to put my will on you, right? And then he's going to get a sh- very sharp awakening. <laughs> whenever he finds out that I'm not stronger, he's not stronger than me, he's not faster than me, he can't hit harder than me, right? So 
whenever that happens, he's going to go to a different fighter. But let's say he starts having success with him being a like the bully type, where he's going to be pushing you forward, laying on you on the stage, doing his style, right? Well, I need to work that. Because let's say something happens and he does. He is pushing me against the cage. He's holding me against the cage. He's doing his dirty boxing. So that's where I will tell you that, that I am bringing in bigger guys, a lot bigger than me, a lot stronger than me. So whenever I have to deal with those guys for an hour of practice or an hour and a half practice, whenever I get to him for 15 minutes, it's going to feel like nothing. Very interesting. Now, you, you obviously know your body better better than anyone else. It sounds this sounds like a reinvigorated Johnny Hendricks, which is a very exciting proposition, kind of like a new life at middleweight. Would you recommend to another fighter who struggled deeply with weight cuts to come up in weight class? Because looking at the blueprint you've now set, how Cerrone's looks since he came up to 170, even a former opponent of yours, Gastelum, coming up to 185, looks a little better. Would you recommend this to someone else, like let's say a Habib Nurmagomedov, who also had a very scary weight cut here a month ago that you know uh, apparently almost affected his liver or kidney? Now, you know what? I, anybody, anybody, anybody that has trouble. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to work for everybody. You got to be good enough to move up, right? I'm lucky enough that I, the good Lord blessed me with a lot of strength, right? I'm not the tallest guy, but I'm, I'm definitely the, I'm just as strong as any 85 er out there. That's what I believe. So <clears throat> I want to move up, right? Now, if you have that same kind of mindset, then yes. If you're stronger than any guy that you're rest or you're fighting uh, at your weight class and you're killing yourself, then yes. Now, you know, like I said, when we had IVs, guess what? You have a bad weight cut. You pump yourself full of vitamins and the, everything, minerals, whatever you can get your hands on that are legal, right? Um, uh, you pump yourself full of that. You take two bags of that, you feel like you didn't even cut weight. Mm-hmm. So you just go out there and, I mean, you just go out there and push yourself to the limit um, with no worries. Now that we can't take IVs, we got to be smarter. So now we have to fight closer to our natural weight. And, and I think that's really the difference. That that certainly makes a lot of sense. So, uh, Johnny, we're almost at the end of our time here. Um, we we need to ask you because you know it's been uh, a really long time since the UFC was in the area. How pumped are you that you got to be on the Oklahoma City card, so close to where you went to college, so close to home? You know, what is it going to feel like when you walk out that tunnel? <laughs> you know what? It's gonna it's gonna. I haven't really got the fight. I remember fighting or wrestling there for the NCAA national championship. I won it in that building, right? So it's going to be that kind of feeling. It's going to be the feeling that you're right. I get to come back to Oklahoma. You know, uh, I get to fight in front of all my people, uh, which I'm super excited. Like, words can't really describe. It, it's sort of like uh, the first time, you know, I like to say that Texas adopted me, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's sort of the same exact feeling, if that makes sense, because you, you're getting to go home, you're getting to fight in front of all your friends, all your family, and you know I'm going to have the crowd on my side. Uh, that's one thing that I'm super excited about, and also I can't wait to put on the, the best performance for everybody in Oklahoma. That's all that I've been thinking about since they announced that I'm going to be fighting in Oklahoma. Boom. Well said. Well, uh, Johnny, we're very happy for you. Uh, it sounds like you've kind of refound your, your passion for fighting, uh, with the new division. And now you get to come home. Uh, Johnny fights, uh, Tim Bosch at Ultimate Fight Night, Oklahoma City, and that's on June 25th. Johnny, thanks so much for the time and, uh, best of luck in this fight. Hey, thank you so much and y'all have a wonderful day. All right, Gumby, there you have it, Johnny Hendricks. Yeah, I know when we have interviews with guys who are talking about finding a new life, right? Like, that's the the classic saying. At a certain point, it gets really boring, right? Because everybody said they found a new life in a new weight class or found a new life with a winning streak. This really feels real with Johnny Hendricks, right? I think so. Um, I think I definitely am ready to see him take a bigger step up in competition than, let's say, his next fight, Tim Bosch, but he'll get through Tim Bosch. Yeah, I mean, Tim Bosch, does he feel that different than mm-hmm. Hector Lombard? No. No, that, and that's why I agree with you, too, is he needs a bigger step up than that 
There are people in the 85 division who would be interesting, but I think he's going to run right through Bosch. Well, what is interesting about Bosch, though, and something I think I tried to bring up to him a little bit, which was that Bosch is a much larger person. Longer, at least. least. Yeah. Yeah. Than, let's even say... Because nobody's bigger than Hector Lundberg. Yeah, true. That dude's like a soda can. Well, he um, might be on the good stuff, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Soda can, I like that. But But (laughs) it's, it's exciting to see Johnny at the new weight class and not dealing with the weight cut, and it's like... And he seems happy about it. Yes. And, you know, I think you're seeing a lot of evidence here from Cerrone stepping up to 170 uh, to what we're seeing with Hendricks, at least out of this first fight before we all get too crazy about it. But I think you're seeing that guys are finding, um, you know, just better performance at the higher weight class. And you're going to see RDA soon, too. And it's going to be real interesting to see if he follows that same mode. All right. So we'll go with some quick news of the day here, Gumby. Uh, It has been announced, at least by one Ariel Hawani, that John Jones versus Daniel Cormier is being targeted for late July. There was rumors earlier last week that uh, Dana White had offered Jones a tune-up fight. And if Jones didn't want that tune-up fight, then Manawa would get Cormier. But now uh, we're hearing that the UFC probably just wants to go with the fight that'll make the most amount of money or Jones said nah fuck the whole tune-up thing and here we go Jones Cormier too part of me loves it part of me hates it right because why hate I hate it because I feel like Jimmy Manawa has done enough to start to be marketed as a potential title challenger and he could fight Daniel Cormier and I said it on last week's show I, I really believe that he's the right guy to use Rumble Johnson's game plan that he didn't use, right? Against Cormier. Sprawl and brawl with Daniel Cormier, who we've had questions about his chin. So Jimmy Manawa is the right kind of guy to use that game plan. Is John Jones going to use that game plan? No, John Jones is going to use the typical John Jones game plan. He's going to pick away at him. He's going to take down the wrestler. And he's going to win probably a decision by all accounts. Sure. But why? So I guess what you're saying is you think it should be Manoa just because it's like a uh, fresh. I, I, th- that's the reason I hate it. I hate it because stylistically oh, I'm ready okay, for right. something new. New, Yeah. From a, a deserving standpoint. Yeah. From an MMA I was going to say. Yeah. From an MMA fan who always wants. This is Jones's division. Right. I, and I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm an MMA fan who always wants the right guy on top, right? Mm-hmm, I want mm-hmm. the champ that is actually the champ. From that part of me, I love this matchup because I think John Jones is the champ. Never lost the belt. He's never lost the belt. He is the best. Never fighter. really lost when you think about he it. He is the best fighter in that division. Yes. No doubt about and it. Perhaps ever when you take a look at who he's beaten, former champions, he, he's, XYZ. He's at least. The top three greatest fighter of all time. Now, let me go back to one thing you said. Uh, you said, you know, Manoa deserving. I, I'm okay. You know, like Manoa, he's three and two in his last five. He's two and one in his last three. He lost to Rumble Johnson in September of 2015. He reeled off wins against Ovin St. Pru and Corey Anderson. Were they impressive? Fuck yeah, they were impressive. But OSP and Corey Anderson, I mean, I can live with him fighting the winner of, I mean, you know... Serkinov versus Ozdemir? Sure, like, I would like to see... I think if Serkinov gets through Ozdemir, which we're assuming he does... Yeah, and, I think he's gonna... You know, he'll be 5-0 and in the UFC at that point. Uh, probably the most exciting prospect to come up at 205 in years. Serkinov uh, versus Manoa for a title shot late this year. Sign me up. Yeah, I'll be okay with that. Again, I just... I think it's a style thing, and that's why I want Manoa. I, I see what you're saying there. Um, now, this is not a confirmed fight by any means, but Luke Rockhold making a little noise. He wants Bobby Nux. He called out Robert Whitaker. Uh, I like the fight. Uh, I, I, I just don't know what else Robert Whitaker has to do. I guess he's in just kind of this weird limbo, right? Because he feels like he's done enough to get his title shot beating Jacare Souza. Well, but that that division's so crowded. I was just right? gonna say that division is stacked all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, and, and so now that he's beaten Jacare, it seems like he deserves the guy Jacare was gonna fight, Yoel Romero, or has fought already, Yoel Romero. That seems like a more logical number one contender fight. Does it though? Because Luke Rockhold's a former champion who who's coming off a loss of the title. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. But like, so are you just gonna say that? Bobby Knox is going to fight Luke Rockhold and be the third in line to the next title fight. I mean, we're already waiting until like July or August for the GSP fight. Then you've got to assume we're going to wait until November or December for the Romero fight. What are they going to fight in July? 
Bobby Knucks and, and Luke Rockhold get a fight in July for a title shot in fucking February of 2018? I mean, you're asking me to defend the fact that GSP is just walking into middleweight I mean, that, and getting that's a title ludicrous. shot. But we're, we're all sure that's ludicrous. So, okay, being that this is the situation that UFC has put us in as, you know, uh, 2020 hindsight, uh, Monday morning quarterback matchmakers, what is your perfect scenario then between Romero, Rockhold, Whitaker? Perfect for, scenario? Yeah. Give Rockhold somebody to tune him up. Let Romero fight Whitaker for the number one title, and then we'll see what happens with the GSP uh, Bisping nonsense. And see if Gegard Mousasi even comes yeah, back. If Gegard Mousasi comes back, give Luke Rockhold Gegard. And it's so weird that Weidman's now on three losses in a row. You know, and he's Anderson, not even in that talk of the top six. It's worth saying that Anderson Silva still doesn't have that fight booked for early June, so someone could step up and fight Anderson. Yeah, I assume. Uh, but, like... I mean, he's not that big ticket item anymore. Uh, I mean, he is in Brazil. He's going to get you money. But, like, does a win over Anderson Silva right now be like, oh, you deserve a title shot? Like, if Robert Whitaker went and beat Anderson Silva, would you be clamoring for a title shot any more than beating Jacare? No, but I think from that UFC marketing perspective, yeah, when you play the video on the commercial of Bobby Nux knocking out Anderson Silva. Yeah, somehow that does better than Jacare, right? Oh, what of a, course. What a cruel world. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we'll move on. Sage Northcutt's sister uh, is going to make her pro <laughs> MMA Col- debut. Colby? Yeah, Colby uh, Northcutt is going to make her pro MMA debut. Actually, was it pro or amateur? I think she's pro. Yeah, I think it's her pro and debut. And I think it's is it LFA? I'm having the intern check it out. But what I was going to say was, or at least get your reaction on, the UFC marketing machine has to... They've got to be chomping at the bit, yeah, right? they're all over this, right? You look at what they put into pushing the Sage train, and now you take the female version of that, and it's just a win for the UFC marketing I, I think so. It, it, if, it, if it's the company that I think it is, if it's actually Legacy Fighting Alliance, I know the UFC's got a good relationship with them. They sign their fighters all the time. I... I I mean, that's where Mackenzie Dern is now, which the UFC is, like, on the doorstep to. So, uh, yeah, it's it seems like this is made for the UFC. Yeah, she's 4-1 and one as an amateur, actually, in MMA. Yeah, so this is I, her I think pro she's had debut. years off while she finished up college. And I want to say she's, like, a taekwondo black belt or something like that. Like sure. She, she's got legit credentials. I'm buying what you're putting down. Well, that was my next news item, which is the UFC has signed Mackenzie Dern, but it's apparently uh, a similar contract to that of Cyborgs, where she can fight with other organizations, but I guess she's property to the UFC for future use. Just to make sure that Bellator doesn't snatch that one up real quick and, and start a straw weight division around her. I don't see why the UFC doesn't do that more, actually, with you know minor league promotions that they're friendly with. Yeah, we've said this in the past. I mean, I, I even wrote an article about it before. Uh, I think that the idea of signing people before they're ready to fight in the UFC and not forcing them to fight in the UFC is a brilliant way for them to eventually do business. Look at what Bellator did with Ed Ruth and the other... Uh, uh, Tyrell Fortune. Yeah. yeah. I mean, both of those guys, uh, and, and they got another one coming up too. Aaron Pico is a, a wrestler, and they've got him all set for his MMA pro debut at Madison Square Garden on pay-per-view against an 8-2 and two killer. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, yeah, you're right. That model, I think, is going to become more and more popular because Bellator did it first, and the UFC seeing the brilliance of it. Um, all right. Well, that kind of wraps up a mini news section here. I want to transition to our interview. Speaking of Bellator at MSG <laughs> and the MSG pay-per-view, we got a chance to catch up with Lorenz Larkin and I want to play you that interview now, but it of course is brought to you by Datsusara Hemp Gear. Head on over to dsgear.com and check out fight gear made entirely from hemp, super durable, antimicrobial. You can enter in promo code top turtle. All one word, not case sensitive, because that's how we roll. And you can get yourself a nice little discount. Datsusara Hemp Gear brings you our interview with new Bellator fighter, Lorenz Larkin. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte as part of Flow Combat's podcast, Top Turtle MMA. And we are talking with Lorenz Larkin. So, Lorenz, you, you've done a couple of interviews talking about uh, making the decision to sign with Bellator. You said you wanted to be with a promoter who cared about you. Uh, what does cared about you mean, and, and how did you, could you tell that they cared the most? Well, it's just for the simple fact of what it all really, really boils down to with me is, you know, if, if the UFC wanted me, 
you know, I would, I would, I would be with the UFC. You know, I wouldn't have been with Bellator, and not, not that I don't like Bellator. It's just that I would have never been able to experience free agency. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, if they really wanted me, I would have never been able to test out free waters because they would have came at me with a, a contract that I was deserve, deserving of, you know, and, and I wouldn't be in the position where I'm at right now, which is not a bad position for me, you know, but I'm just saying, you know, it, it, it just showed that the company didn't, didn't want me. And now that I got to test out the waters, you know, I got to get with a company that, that sees value in me, you know, and that, and mm-hmm. that was fighting to get me. So, you know, that's what it all boils down to. That, no, it makes total sense. And so I guess, you know, for you, just the fact that the UFC even let you go to free agency, you kind of already maybe had an idea that they just, they weren't overly interested in, in trying to retain you. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, you were granted free agency, or at least I think you were granted the ability to talk to other promotions late November. You signed here with Bellator last month, mid to late March, uh, so about three months of negotiations. Was the UFC kind of in it, like, through, let's say, January, February, or, or had you ruled them out by, you know, early 2017? Not at all, man. They, they, didn't, they didn't really get back to me at all until... When I when I signed with Bellator, UFC came at me with a deal. Um, by the time I signed, maybe it was two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks before I signed with Bellator, UFC came at me with a deal, and then it, that was from you know that was you know I was months and months and months of you know not getting anywhere with anything. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like. The, the writing was on the wall. Yeah. Was there a large financial difference between the two offers? Yeah, in, in, in a sense, you know, because it's like, my thing is, is this, man. I, I always look at things from a fighter's aspect and from a business aspect because you never want to be out here just, talking stupid out of your mouth, you know, and and, 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 and in reality, it doesn't make sense business-wise, you know. A fighter can always ask for, I want this and I want that, but business-wise, it doesn't make sense because it because it, it, it doesn't fit to what you're asking for, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the whole time, I was just asking for what I, what I was deserving or getting in the same position I'm at, you know what I mean? So it's not like I'm out here asking for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know what I mean? I'm just asking for what the guys are around me and my and my rankings are getting. You know what I mean? I mean, if if they're above me or right below me, you know, and they're getting a certain amount and I'm not nowhere near it, you know, then it doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Well, and you bring up a good point. You know, when you look and take stock of the UFC welterweight division now, you know, you have wins over. Neil Magny, he's ranked number six. Jorge Masvidal, ranked number five. If you want to really go back uh, back in time, you have a win over Robbie Lawler, albeit at middleweight. He's ranked number two now at, at welterweight. What do you make of the UFC welterweight division right now? Um, you know, they, they have some tough guys, you know. But it's just, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't my, my thing is, is like, I'm, 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 ha- like, I'm not the guy who, like, talks shit, you know, for, with guys that, you know, I've beaten in the past, like, I'm happy to see Jorge getting the respect that he deserves, you know what I mean, but it just kind of shows you where, where the game is for UFC, you know, it just kind of shows you that Masvidal has always been the same Masvidal, he's not changed, there's nothing, nothing that's special about him right now, he's the same exact fighter, he was always good, you know, but it's 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 really like like it just shows how dumb the standard is now because it's like all he did was talk a little shit about cowboy and now all of a sudden all these people are like oh my god Masvidal he's this great fighter I'm like he's the exact same damn fighter you know he's always been good but it just shows like it's pathetic that you have to talk a little bit of shit 
to now have the spotlight on you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a Connor. Like, it's, it's, kind of like, it's a lot of kind of Connor wannabe trash talk. All of a sudden, I think. Yeah, in the it, it, era. it's stupid. You know, it's it just like I, I get it. Like, don't get me wrong. If you came in the game like that, then cool, whatever. Like, it, it, fighting needs that type of stuff. You know, I'm not saying like nobody should shit talk, but it's bad when a guy has always been good. You know, since coming into the UFC, he's always been a tough ass fighter, and now all of a sudden he he gets a buzz and, and, and spotlight just by talking shit for one fight. You know what I mean? And going in there and, and handling his business, what he always does though. But it just it, it's like, come on, this is like getting ridiculous. A- absolutely, and and there there does seem to be you know more and more doing it uh, lately. So let let's uh, switch gears a little bit though, and, and get to talking about the fight that you do have coming up, rather than the ones you don't. Um, you're, you're fighting Douglas Lima in a very very strong Bellator welterweight division. Uh, let's first talk about Lima. He's got crazy KO power, um, and, and some would say looking back at your record, you haven't faced a lot of guys with big KO power. You know, sort of what's the game plan, and how do you get ready for a guy like that? the same way I've been getting ready, man. It's like, I'm not going to see nothing that I haven't experienced already. You know what I mean? I'm not, and like, I know he, I know he hits hard, you know, I know he's, he's heavy handed and I know he's a good striker, but it's like, I, I, I've seen this stuff before. You know what I mean? I faced big, big guys before, you know, I fought 205ers, you know what I mean? It's like, King Mo, King Mo, right? Yeah, you get what I'm saying? So it's like, I haven't, it's not too much that I haven't seen before. It's not like I'm kind of this new guy, you know, out of the blue, you know, that's starting out his career and I haven't faced a big 70 pounder before, you know, and and now these are obstacles I got to, you know, jump over. But, you know, I've seen this before. I I fought with guys who punch hard, you know. I I highly doubt he punches harder than Robbie, you know what I mean? So it's like, (laughs) <laughs> well said. <laughs> I, I, I I've seen it before. You know what I mean. So my thing is, it's just about training smart and and being being that fighter that when I sign the contract, you know, I always train smart and I always show up to the fight. Now, without looking past your next opponent, um, you know, this Bellator welterweight division, it's getting kind of nice, actually. Um, you know. Paul Daly, Michael Venom Page, uh, Rory, obviously, uh, even if Benson Henderson wanted to come back up to 170, anyone else jump off the page at you as someone you, you know, you really want to face here, maybe by the end of the year or sometime early next year? Oh man, I'm not, I'm just all about exciting fights, man. Like I'm all about, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited just to be, you know, a, a, a part of Bellator now and, and now I'm just all about putting on the best exciting fights that are going to bring a lot of attention to the company. You know what I mean? And and that's all I'm about right now. You know, so any of the big time strikers out there that, that, that you know that that really just want to put it on for the fans and get in there and 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 know and and they're not trying to hug me <laughs> and shit like that. Then you know I'm all about it, dude. That that's that's all I'm about is exciting fights. Oh, paging Michael Venom Page, I think. Uh, that, that could be a good one right there. There you go. Him, <laughs> Daily, you know. That, yeah. and, and the good thing yeah. is, it, it, it's pretty crazy because when you look at the division, these are these are, these guys all are are guys who like to bang, you know what I mean? So, like, Ward, Daly, uh, uh, Gonzalez, uh, uh, Rory, you know what I mean? These are all guys that are like, there's no huggers in this division. <laughs> yeah. and, and you got to be not, excited I'm not, about I'm that. I'm not seeing too many. Yeah, you know, so it, 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 it's pretty cool. Bellator cares, but nobody hugs. Um, so I'm yeah. sure you've seen... I'm sure you've seen the shit going on with the New York State Athletic Commission. Just the wackiness from... The refereeing in the Holly versus Jermaine Durandamy fight to what we saw with Musasi and Weidman last weekend. You're fighting at MSG. Have you seen any of these shenanigans, and does it worry you? Um. Well, it just shows me that I will be at weigh-ins, and I will I will voice my opinion if, if I even see Lima touch that damn towel. <laughs> True. You know what I mean? And, uh... 
that and yeah, dude. Uh, it's kind of like we, you know, MMA's been banging on the door of New York for so damn long, and now these motherfuckers open up the doors, and it's just like it's all fucked up in there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe animation that went inside that house. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. That's just a perfect place to end. Uh, Lorenz, we can't thank you enough for the time. Lorenz fights Douglas Lima at Bellator's pay-per-view at MSG on June 24th. Can't thank you enough, Lorenz, and best of luck in the fight. What that? I, I, I just said thank you so much for the time and best of luck in the fight, Lorenz. Oh, thanks, man. And you guys take care. Everybody, tune in. It's gonna be a great fight. All right, Gumby, that was Lorenz Larkin. Yeah, I love the uh, the insight in that interview with uh, the contract negotiations because you know you you always assume the UFC was kind of hands off, but the fact that he said they didn't even come at him with anything of until, until it was pretty much a done deal with Bellator. Like yeah. it was a done deal with Bellator, and they're like, oh, "Here's some money if you really want it." Well, you brought this up. You know, obviously, when they purchased the company, William Morris Endeavors, when they purchased UFC last summer for four billion, that's some that's some heavy scratch they got to make up. That's some serious debt. And I think you brought this point up uh, maybe a month or two ago, and I really buy into it. I think the UFC is going to kill the middle class, and it's going to become more of like a boxing style, at least for the time being. You're either going to be the high 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 end right or, or some really fucking low end, low end like, or like you know a high potential kind of up and comers but right? that middle class who makes 45 and 45 they show ju- they'll just let them go it's gone unless they really believe you're a 45 and 45 guy who's two wins away from a title shot well i think another thing that dana white brought up when they were talking about Gegard musasi um because musasi was going off on how mark hunt makes eight hundred thousand a fight and musasi's at you know circa 120 200 i can't remember the exact numbers uh was that uh dana white said well mark hunt packs an entire stadium when we go to australia new zealand what have you down in that part of the world so when you have a certain country behind you a la conor mcgregor and obviously mcgregor is a very special talent with finish power which gets fans excited quicker well, mark hunt's got finishing power too too but, but he so, also has a 10 and 10 record or whatever yeah. it is <laughs> but the point being is that um you know if you're an international star right now that has a country that they can run for a live show you're in a better marketing position or a better negotiation position with the ufc well, gegard Mousasi has that too i mean he's he's from the netherlands does but does the ufc the ne- they go to the netherlands every year but the question is do the Netherlands rally behind Gegard Mousasi? Yeah. And there's maybe. your answer is no. The Netherlands rallies behind Elstar Overeem. Right. Yeah. So, like, he's not that guy who's going to pull a whole country behind him. Uh, and, you know, that's that's kind of a shame. Well, I'll tell you, Gage, this is like dark Gegard recently. Like, he's going <laughs> off on people. It's, dark it's not just the guy who shows up and looks miserable. You know, he's kind of like letting, letting shit fly out of his mouth. And it kind of gets annoying with the UFC and fighters when they, you know, Larkin brought up a great point just now with how um, Masvidal is the same fighter he was yeah, two years ago. But he ran his mouth a little. He ran his mouth a little, and now he's in like a title elimination fight. And with Demian Mai, who's on like a freaking hundred fight win streak. <laughs> it's annoying, but it's just the McGregor era. Let's talk a little bit about this Bellator pay per view real quick, Gumby. Uh, here's the main card. Uh, tell me what you think, and before you answer, just let me run it down for you. Okay. Shale Sonnen versus Vanderlei is the main event. Mitrione versus Fedor in the co-main. Douglas Lima versus Lorenz Larkin for the title. Uh, Michael Chandler versus Brent Primus. And Aaron Pico making his UFC debut versus Zach Freeman. That's your main card. Do you pay 50 bucks for it? I, I don't pay the 50 bucks for it. Mostly because, I mean, there's no blockbuster matchup that you have to see live, right? Like, if you gave me Fedor against... Uh, you know, Vitaly Minikov. Okay, I'm in because I want to see if he's still the real deal and if he's the Russian king still. You're putting him up against like a guy who, for the most part, was a UFC cast off. The main event, don't even get me started on it. We're not even going to talk about Shale Sun. I was going to say, I was going to bring that up. I can't remember. I mean, that, that is the, the dud of those five. That matches. was going to be, if I'm not mistaken, I think Machida versus Weidman, like three years ago at International like Fight Week. It was top. three from the top because I think Rousey versus Alexis Davis was the co main. And now Bellator wants to run 
a, they're going to headline their pay-per-view with this fight. And neither and of them have won since then, have they? Ch- well, Vanderlei ran from a piss test and hasn't fought since then. And Shales fought Tito Ortiz and lost in... And that's know, the only fights either of them have had. I'm pretty then. sure, yeah. Yeah, and, so why is that headline? Well, because I think Shale has a podcast with a, you know, a million subscribers or something. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, which would be nice to get to for our podcast. But, uh, Click that download button. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, is it worth 50 bucks? Probably not. But I will say... I like what Bellator is doing. I like that Pico's making his debut. I, I the, love Larkin versus Lima. Yes, e- I, even third to the top. If you if you watch the show to see Shale or you watch the show to see Fedor, that's a great fight to watch. That's going to be such a good striking battle. Mm-hmm. And and they should be building up Michael Chandler too. I, I'm not a huge Brent Primus guy. I thought they could probably found somebody better for for Michael Chandler to fight, but still showcasing Michael Chandler is brilliant in there too. All right. Well, that wraps up Top Turtle MMA podcast for this week. We thank you so much for listening to us. If you're new catching us, welcome to the show. Go back, listen to old episodes. Uh, But we are so proud to be a part of Flow, and we can't thank those guys enough for hooking this up. We will be back next week with another show. Great guests, some insight, and we hope you enjoyed it. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. We're out for now. We'll be back next week.